Well, I don't know if you saw you know, on your way in, but uh, we've had a, on the tables in the atrium um, a couple, well, four different puzzles. You know, we've been using that theme as we talk about spiritual gifts. You know, we even gave you some puzzle pieces a couple weeks ago to say that each of us are different pieces of the puzzle with particular gifts and talents that God has indeed brought together to bring to completion in you that then comes to completion as each piece comes together to make the puzzle that God has created for us to be um, as individuals and as a community. And um, so you may see out there some of these puzzles that are out there. And I've mentioned to you before a couple of weeks ago, you know, that this is sort of mean of me because I got the tops to the puzzles, you know. And so there might be people out there who are really frustrated because they see the puzzle pieces, but they don't have the direction. You know, to, to put it together. They don't, they don't have the picture there. And they might be able to pull the sides together, but that's really about it. And today, that's what we'll talk about, is you know, the, the gifts aren't for just our desire, our pleasure. The, the gifts are in order to be brought together to make a whole, a picture that God has created you know, for us. And so is it then, uh, or it is actually necessary then for us to be in tune with, with God's plan you know, and God's purpose, to, to hear from God, to, 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 have, to follow God's leading, to live into God's will so that we are coming together as God has created us to do. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, Uh, Thank you that you have created us uniquely. Thank you that you have a a plan that does put us together in a way that you would have us be and and, and live that that makes that beautiful picture that points um, all to you. So we, we give ourselves to you in this time. Speak to us. Guide us. Continue to remind us and and teach us what it means to, to live in your will, to seek and receive your guidance. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, um, the, the first question it would be that, that many would ask us, does God guide us today? You know, is it possible? Does, does, is there ways that God leads us and directs us? And, and if so, how? Well, first, I want to just answer that question that to me, as I read through the Bible, it is one event after another where God is doing that very thing with his people. He is directing and leading his people. I mean, from Adam and Eve to Abraham calling him out of Ur to, to be the, the, the father of Israel. Uh, Moses, you know, speaking to Moses to come and lead his people out of slavery. Coming to Mary, saying, you're going to be the one that bears God the Son in your womb. And to, to Joseph as he leads them in the ensuing years after his birth. I mean, it's just one event after another where God is leading God's people. Uh, And today I want want to look at one in uh, Acts chapter 16 with the Apostle Paul, who was one that God leads and directs to be the, the 
really the, the first missionary of the church and the one that is guides the direction of the, the development of the church in the first century where we'll, we'll see some unique ways that, that God directs him, that he shares with us how God is leading him. And uh, it's, uh, chapter 16, starting with verse 6, uh, 900 in your pew Bible if you want to follow along there, or you can follow along on the, the screen. And what we have here is, is Paul with uh, uh, Timothy, with Silas, and also with Luke, who's the, the writer of, of Acts, just sharing a little bit, a little taste of their journey of planting churches and developing churches um, throughout the beginning of the, the, the early years of the church. So, verse 6. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Um, uh, Pamela, can you put the map up for me? And then uh, we'll come back to it. Can you do that? Thank you. Yes, just know you've got all these names of all these different places. It might just be helpful to, to see here. Maybe you can, you know, here, here's part of his, his journey. So those of you that are out here can see it. I think if I use this screen, pretty much everybody, y'all are out of luck, choir, sorry. Um, but you can see some of the names that he's mentioning here. Here's Galatia and Fergia here. And, uh, so Paul's going up this way. He wants to go right. He wants to go Asia way. He want, th- this is actually modern-day Turkey. If you go over here, now you've got Iraq and Iran, you know, Afghanistan, all the way to China. Um, uh, uh, way over here but that's where he's wanting to go the Silk Road way and he even comes up to here he says opposite Mysia he wants to go into Bithynia right here but something happened we're not told exactly how the spirit speaks to him or stops him whatever it might be we don't know maybe they just didn't have a ride nobody was going the way they wanted we just don't know we're not told but we are told that God leads them and speaks to them and then they they end up here at missing you can't maybe read that right there's Troas right there again this is modern day this is modern day Greece you know right here Um, so he's then right there at at Troas and we'll we'll pick it up there during the night verse 9 Paul had a vision And there stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he'd seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. So Macedonia then was was modern-day Greece. They jumped over that, or actually sailed, got on a boat, um, and crossed there the Aegean and went into Macedonia. And part of the reason is just showing you the, the map is saying, you know, this is a real place. You know, these are real locations. This isn't a, a fairy tale or, 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 or some kind of Paul Bunyan tale. This, these are real history in the way that God led Paul then and that God leads us today as we are seeking to discern God's direction for each of us and, and how He's given us gifts, given us a call And how then does God call us to use those gifts? One way 
that we then are taught how to hear God's Word is to know the Bible. To know God's Word to us that we do know. Learned something new this week. Morellian analysis. Ever heard Morellian analysis? Physician in the 1800s whose name was Morelli. So Morellian analysis. Well, he was an art expert. And there were different paintings that were coming up saying, oh, these are from the great artists, you know, Da Vinci. You know, this is, so people would come and say, yeah, this is from all these famous great artists and, and in order to get top price. Well, Morellian developed then a, a way of analyzing paintings in order to see if these paintings indeed were authentic. So what he would do would study the known paintings of the masters. He would study all of da Vinci's paintings that he had, right? Study them. He'd understand how did he paint. When did he use the big brushes? When did he use the smaller ones? He would focus on particular elements like human eyes. How did he paint eyes? Uh, collars. How did he paint collars? How did he, how did he plant, paint flower petals? And he'd dig deep into those in order to know exactly what his tendencies were, what his ways were, and then he'd study the painting in question. And since he knew what he knew from the master artist, he'd then look at the current one and be able to say, is this in alignment with his habits? Is this in alignment with his techniques? Or is it not? We are students of God's written word, just like Morelli was students of the master artist. We want to know the, the character of God. We, we want to we recognize and live into the, the fullness that, that God is one who is slow to anger, quick to forgive, and filled with steadfast love. We need to be steeped in what we know is of God so that then in our lives we can live in alignment with what we know is of God and know as God is leading us, He's not going to contradict what we know is of God. You know, Paul could have been saying, well, gosh, you know, I had some really bad baba ganoush last night. You know, Maybe that Macedonian was me and not of God. But because he had studied and knew the Word, knew the character of God, he knew that that was God's Word to him. And the same for us. If we're going to know God, God's leading of us today, we've got to know what we do know of God's written Word, what are authentic, so that then His leading of us, we set in alignment with His authentic Word. And we can discern. What's of God and what's not. It's important in, the, in these... I mean, that's, that our, our whole worship gathering, is our, our heart and soul here is, is that we gather with an expectation that we're going to encounter God, that we're going to experience Him. We're going to hear His leading as we gather around His Word together. John 15, 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. 
Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. This this is God's desire that that we live into the fullness of the gifts that He's given us to make the picture that He's designed for us to be and to, to do. But we have to let His words abide in us. I mean, even now, as we've been looking at two passages in Scripture, there may have been something that the Spirit of God within you sort of brought an aha or... And oh no. (laughs) That's God's Spirit speaking to you of how He wants to apply His Word in your life. How He wants it to abide in you. This is serious stuff that we abide in. You can hear it in Jesus' words here. Unless I'm abiding in you, unless you are in me, then you're wasting your time. You're shriveling. And so we can know our gifts and all the rest, but if we're not abiding in Him, if we're not in tune with His Word, then it's going to be for naught. It's going to continue to lead in that frustration, like trying to make a puzzle without the top. All right, so we have to, Morellian analysis, know that what we do know is from God. And then the second part is then we've got to do it. But what we we got to obey what we do know is God's leading for us. Yeah, I mean, we, we got all kinds of questions about seeking God's will and knowing or how do I use my gifts? The, the needs of the world are great, and how do I fit into that? Well, the first thing we have to do is after we know what we know of God, then we have to do what we know of God. Where, where He calls us to forgive our enemies. Where He tells us to love our, our enemies. Where, where He tells us to, to, to seek Him and live in ways of, of righteousness and compassion and, and grace. Those are the things that we know. And we have to live into those. And what Jesus tells us in John chapter 14 is as we live and as we obey what He's saying, then He reveals Himself more to us. Sort of like a scavenger hunt, you know. Where he says, well, here, I'll take this step. And then when we take that step, then all of a sudden we, we see the next step that he wants us to take. Uh, John 14, 15 through 24. Three times he's going to say basically the same thing. That as you obey me, you, I'll live with you. I'll abide in you. As you obey me, I'll reveal myself. As you obey me, that I'll live in you. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live On that day, you'll know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments, here's the second time, and keep them, are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. See, that's tied together. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, 
How is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word. Okay, again, keep my word. And my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And so three times he says that. Yeah, that. As we're doing what we do know of God, then he reveals himself to us. He abides, his spirit lives in us. He and the Father abide in us. A couple phrases that just a couple of them we've, we've heard already, but just to remind us some of the basic stuff about living into our giftedness. The first one is do what you do know is from God. Do what you know is from God. You know, it's much time we say, well, God, where do you want me to go? Macedonia or Bithynia? You know, where is you want me? Well, one. Before you ask those questions, ask the first question, what do you know God wants you to do? Where, where's the place that God has laid before you and convicted you of, play, of, 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 your own, of your own sin and ways that you're not following Him? Confess that. Receive that forgiveness as we do and step into it. I mean, Jesus Himself tells us in Matthew 7, you know, that don't cast your pearls before swine. And I think there's a sense in which God's like, listen, hear, hear what I've already told you. Then you'll be ready to get the next word. You'll be ready for that direction. To do what you do know is from God. Uh, the, the next one is yes and no are both holy answers. Now, remember, remember that as well. And that's part of why we, we need God's leading and His living leading, His lead, living guidance in today because there's all kinds of options that are out there. And, and sometimes God's calling us to say yes and sometimes no. I mean, think about Paul. You know, there's all kinds of people that are lost, that are broken, all kinds of places for the church to go. And he wants to go to the, to the right, but God is saying, no, you've got to go to the left. And then uh, finally, the need does not necessitate a call. Uh, you know, just like there, the needs were all around, but where is God leading you to go? I mean, that's why it's so it's essential that first and foremost, we are students of the Word so that we know God's character and, and that we are abiding Him. We are spending time with Him, obeying Him and listening. And, and what we do know as He leads us into the particular places, that he's calling us. All right, and then uh, what we also know that God speaks to us through one another. He speaks to us through humans. He speaks to us uh, through uh, trusted friends who are also following after God. And he even speaks to us in the depth of our own soul. In, in alignment with the, the passions that he's given us. In alignment with the, the heart desires that he has given us. Proverbs 27, uh, 17. You know, iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens the wits of another. I mean, we need one another to speak to each other about what we see in one another. I mean, I still remember the first time I took a gifts analysis. You know, those, if, if you've been in the middle hour class, you've, you've seen those gift analysis where you, you, you fill them out and it comes up and says, here are your, the top three things, you know, that are your, we think are your spiritual gifts. And I was in college and came up, teaching was number one. And I was like, huh, Really? Yeah, I never thought of that. 
And, and some folks that I was with did the same thing. They're like, duh. Yeah, I mean, you're teaching this and teaching that all the time. And that's exactly, I'm like, oh, okay. We, we need one another to have that affirmation and, and encouragement. And, and then when I thought I was going to be gifted as a pop singer, I needed that discouragement <laughs> as well. And then finally, Psalm 37, 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land. Uh, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in the Lord and do good. Hear what He says. Trust Him and, and He'll do it, right? And you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight. Let Him abide in you. You abide in Him. And He will give you the desires of your heart. Great. Listen to what God is saying in the depth of your soul and your heart. A few things to recognize. It's not saying that God gives you all you want. Sometimes we just take that last part. He will give you the desires of your heart. Nah, sorry. And it's also, though, the opposite is not true, that God's going to give you everything you don't want. You know that one? Well, I really want this, so that must mean God doesn't want me to have it. Nah, that's two strikes. No. Delight in Jesus. Abide in Him. Jump into His Word. It's not so that you know what to do and not to do. Jump into His Word and do it because that's what it means to delight in Him. Because that's why He's given us His Word, so that we can delight in Him. And what happens when we do that? When we are living according to the box top, and we are living with God together, what does He do? But then what happens is our true self comes to the surface. Not our false self that the world has been forming in us or that we've been forming in ourselves or that the devil has thrown at us. Our our true heart comes to the surface as we delight in Him. And then He gives us the desires of our heart because it's how He's created us. I mean, the, the gifts aren't a puzzle that we have to figure out. The gifts are what they are. A gift that leads us to, to fit in just in there. There's no better than the sound of two puzzle pieces when they come together, right? You know, the, the desires of our heart then come to the surface. Maybe even desires we didn't know or desires we've been denying. Well, I asked uh, Barry Stare to come just share a, a story with us of just... A, a way that he dis- discerned and lived into um, particular gifts at one time in his life. Thank you, Barry. This was a little more sobering than I thought it was going to be, sitting here waiting to see whether what he was going to say was going to agree with what I had. Here, so. <laughs> um, I've always found it hard to identify gifts and passions. I've taken those tests a number of times, just waiting for God to reveal everything. And um, They would ask, what are you passionate about? And, well, I'm not, not really a passionate person, and it's hard to 
figure out things that I'm passionate about. So that didn't help very much. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of things that I uh, didn't experience very much fulfillment or experience much of God's power in. And then later on I got the idea that maybe uh, God's leading would look like walking uh, through open doors that God had placed in my way. And I did that a couple of times. And I think God does work in that way sometimes. That's the circumstances that he's put you in. But um, that didn't always give a sense of God's power either. But the uh, the story that Drew wanted me to talk about here was uh, has to do with swim ministry. Um, a lot of you know about swim ministry. Uh, my wife, Sam, uh, got a call to uh, teach a few, a couple, is what she thought she was going to get, of kids of uh, some church friends who had a new pool uh, to uh, not die in their new pool. And uh, so she took along uh, one of our neighbor junior high girls and uh, went, and it turned out there were eight kids there, not two. And uh, from that seed has grown over 40 years uh, a ministry that has a staff of 120 some and uh, ministering to four to 500 uh, adults and children over the course of the summer. Um, but my story uh, weaves into this thing in trying to, about trying to do things in my own strength and my own resources and feeling inadequate about it and hating it. And uh, when I was still working, it was real easy to not have an to have an excuse for uh, for not teaching swimming um, during the day because I was at work. But uh, in the evenings, sometimes she had adults who uh, who were in need of some lessons, and so I'd get involved with that once in a while, and that was okay because that was adults and kids. I didn't have to worry about them. But then when I retired, I didn't have that excuse anymore. And so I ended up uh, being out there in the morning teaching three lessons, three classes a day um, for three weeks during the summer. Um, and I could do a lot of things. I mean, I could teach swimming and I could uh, help people out and all that kind of thing. But swim ministry is about trying to do more than just teach swimming. Uh, the the mission statement for the swim ministry um, isn't what most people think it is. It's to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders within the context of teaching swimming each summer to children and adults so that they might reflect the glory of God all the days of their lives. So the ministry isn't directed primarily at the swimmers, but it's directed at the staff. And this thing of, of discipling young people and all of that just wasn't something I had experience in and it was kind of scary and I just didn't do very well with that for a while. But after a number of <coughs> excuse me. After a number of years of this, um I had a revelation. I think it was one of those revelations that came in pure desperation 
I found that I needed to pray to invite God into my lessons and into my struggles, specifically. And um, I, I came across one, or I realized one of those life principles, at least it seems like a life principle to me, that, that um, there's, there's kind of a two-pronged proposition with God. Um, he wants me to bring all of my stuff. He wants me to bring my A game, the best of my skills, my abilities, my imagination, my passions, and experience. And if I let him, he brings himself. And that's, that's a pretty good thing. <laughs> so I need to pray and expect him to show up and do what only he can do. But i got to show up and do my best too. And since I've started doing that, not only in swimming, but in some other places, I've experienced a whole lot more joy in my life and a, a much greater sense of, of God um, doing what God does. Thanks, Barry. Yeah.